episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. When it's time to get some new windows or a new door, you got to go with Pella. Why? Because they can provide window and door solutions to any home and because the people are great there. Vince and Clint and Steve and Brian, the whole gang, all fantastic dudes. And you know what? You will be working with only Pella the entire time. Do you realize that when you go to some other window companies, all of a sudden questions pop up like who's going to pre-finish it, who's installing it, and before you know it, you're working with like four or five different people. Ugh, massive headache. You want the convenience and simplicity of working with one company, not three or four. That's Pella. Check them out on the web, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. All right, on the pod today. One of my favorite dudes on earth, Jake Mielheisen, former Nebraska point guard, four-year starter, was a captain, was their defensive stopper, a really underrated player. And uh, he's now the radio analyst uh, for Nebraska Hoops alongside Kent Pavelka providing the play-by-play. So I wanted to get Jake on to recap the Nebraska basketball season, which we all know Obviously, it was not a, a good one. Year one under Fred Hoiberg was uh, was was not good. I mean, seven and twenty five record uh, finished on a seventeen game losing streak. Uh, it was no secret. It was not a very good season in Lincoln. But there's still plenty to discuss with this season. And Jake and I covered all. And obviously, there's there's stuff to talk about with with this past year, but also. We take a peek into next year and what the future holds, which on paper, next season could be an exciting one because the talent on the roster is going to be much better with a whole slew of talented transfers ready to go. Kobe King, Kobe Webster, Shamil Stevenson, Delano Banton, Derek Walker, Teddy Allen, Lat Myatt. Like, there's going to be a brand new crop of dudes on the floor at Pinnacle Bank Arena, and the talent's there. So... Although it was a disappointing season, there's no doubt that, the, to me, the arrow is trending up with Fred Hoiberg leading the Nebraska basketball program. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of different elements and angles to break down this season and then also kind of look into the future of what Nebraska basketball looks like next year and beyond. So Husker Hoops fans, I think you guys are going to enjoy this. I, I really do. This was a, a really fun conversation. So let's do it. Here is uh, our Nebraska basketball season recap with a guy that I played high school basketball with, been friends with since I was like in third or fourth grade, former Nebraska point guard, Jake Muleheisen. Well, his name is uh, Jake Muleheisen. He is a former Nebraska point guard. He's a former Southeast Knight. He is uh, the color man on the radio side of things for Husker Hoops, but he's also a first-team All-State punter at Lincoln Southeast. That doesn't get mentioned enough, Mule, that the All-State punter thing. Not at all. I, I <laughs> a lot of a lot of people make fun of me for that, but you know, in hindsight, I should have tried. I should have tried my my luck in, in punting and played football instead. Did you punt growing up at all? Like I don't <laughs> even remember. Did you was was the your senior year? Was that the only year you punted in your life? I I punted. Did I punt my junior year? Did you? I can't remember, but I I know I, I know how I got the job. I was like Mazursky's. Like, does anybody want to punt? You know, you have a punter. <laughs> I'm like, well. I can kick it, and so we said. I, I well, I know I know for a fact I put in my junior year because against uh, I think it was Northeast uh, at Seacrest Field, right? I kicked a negative 
uh, yard punt because it was like it was like seventy degrees when the game started. Oh no! And then went to like twenty degrees. Oh no! And the wind was howling. Right. And I kicked one into the wind, and it went behind me. <laughs> okay. Two things. Frost and the boys could have used you this year. Hopefully, maybe you, maybe because of like the your hip thing, you could have got like a medical hardship to play to be the Nebraska football punter this year. That could have helped out. That's number how one. How awesome! How awesome would that have been? <laughs> you would have been the you would have been a football legend in the in these parts. Uh, and but the the thing about you as a punter though, do you remember the state championship game? You might have saved the game. I can't remember what stage of we, it was in the second half. There was a super high snap. It was we were playing Creighton Prep. We were tied at seven. Do you remember that? The, like you had to sky like your I don't know what your vert was at your peak, like 35, 36 inches maybe. And I think you're being awfully generous, bro. You had bounce. <laughs> you had bounce. I don't care what anybody says. But do you remember you had to catch it and you got it off? And I remember the look on your because I met you as you walked off the. The field, your eyes were wide open. You're like, whoa. I mean, because that, that saved the game for us, probably. Well, I think there was like five minutes to go in the game. And you remember who the long snapper was? It was Gordo. <laughs> I and, forgot about that. Yeah. Alex Gordon was our freaking long, long snapper. So I, you know, I, I jumped up, kicked it, and I'm like, okay, I got it out of the way. And I didn't realize, I mean, I, thought, I looked at him like, damn, that was actually a pretty big play. And then we ended up winning an overtime. Yeah. It was a huge play. I just, I, I can. It's weird. It's weird. The little things that you remember, I can vividly remember. I can picture your face in your helmet walking off the sidelines because I met you to give you a five. Like, bro, great catch and punt. And you, you were look like you look like you had seen a ghost. It was incredible. Well, yeah, I was like, like, damn. I, I was, I was just glad to catch the dumb thing. And then, you know, Brzezinski, all those guys were going crazy. I'm like, well, I didn't think it was that good of a play. Oh, but, that was a hell of a play. Uh, I used, got up and snagged it and, and got it off. You used to you used to fuck with me so bad. Do you remember what you used to do with me when you'd run into the plays? So I was the yes, quarterback. I'm you were the receiver. Sorry. I mean, so for people that don't know, so Mule was the Mule was the wide receiver. I was the QB, and Mule would run it. You know, you'd get the play call, and the quarterback or the wide receiver would run it in. Mule, like you did this way too much in the game. I think in the state championship game, you did it. You oh, ran it. Did. Yeah, I'd mess with you. you. You'd run to me and go, oh. Crap, I forgot to play. And then I would kind of like try and throw you out of the way and look to Mazursky and you'd be like, it's just joking, you know, pro right 54 toss sweep, you know, and I'd be like, oh, God. and then you'd be like, relax, dude. It actually kind of worked. You kind of Jedi mind tricked me into like calming down, but it kind of hated you for that. I know, but it was, it was, it was so easy to remember the plays because it didn't matter if it was third and 17. It was just hand off to Barrett right, hand off to Barrett left. That's all it, it was. It didn't really matter what I came in with. It was just a, uh, you know, a counter, a counter sweep, and there's be just let uh, Dane Todd block and Rudy run with it. I I can't tell you how many. T- yeah, like th- first of all, it's like we had four plays, and three of them were f- to Barrett. So <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, odds are we were going to be right. And then I can't. Th- there were times the play call would get maybe Gordo would run it in and not remember exactly like the wording or whatever. There were numerous times I'd be like, "What? Well, it's fine, dude." I'd be like, "Gordo, it's fine. We'll just hand it to Barrett." And like no That's one would it. ever say anything to me. Like it was like you couldn't no. go wrong handing it to Barrett. No, it, it, it just it didn't matter. It was almost unfair watching him play. It, was, people, it was pretty fun messing with you coming. Yeah, I players. don't forget. But you bring that up though. Like I don't think people get. I always tell people I, Barrett in, in their respective sports. So like you know you playing basketball, me playing basketball, uh, it, Dane Todd playing football. Like Barrett, Barrett was the most dominant high school football player I've ever seen. I mean, he was, it looked like the analogy I always give is 
the scene in Billy Madison when he's playing dodgeball with all the first graders or whatever Adam Sandler is like, that's what almost every play looked like with Barrett. Like it was like he was a grown man and we were all little boys. Well, it really was. And I, I found out like how good he was when you remember they they'd had like the second team defense play against the first team offense. And I was, for whatever reason I was on defense, I'm like this is stupid. And I had to come and try to fill a hole and bear coming through and just, oh. he just trucks me. I'm like, okay, I'm not ever going to tackle him again. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I've tried to tackle Rigoni. I've tried to tackle Gordo. I tried to tackle Bo. I've never, somehow I never got squared up with Barrett. Thank God. I, I do. Yeah, I did one time and it was I'm like, it's not fair. I got fired from corner my, uh, my, my freshman year. Cause I mean, and when I say fired, remember Doug Miller, would fire people like he would like you're fired and because they she straight up asked me he goes are you willing to fill the run like basically like are you a pussy or are you do you want to hit and I was like I don't know and he's like you're fired you're 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 out of here dude you're not playing corner go with the sissies and be a quarterback I was like this is great this is this is fantastic uh okay so that was a minute tangent about southeast there that was good um we're going to get into a Nebraska basketball season recap, but real quick, I mean, how is the, uh, I mean, obviously the coronavirus is taking, uh, is is just, this is crazy, man. Like, how is quarantine life, social distancing, you got two young daughters, like, how, what's, how's life going, man? It's, it's crazy. I mean, I've been working from home since, uh, it's been last Tuesday that we started working from full home. Full week, and, or a little over uh, full week, yeah. Yeah, a little over a week, and, you know, obviously the kids are out of school, and uh, it's, it's interesting. We're, I mean, it's, it's nice being home and like you were obviously traveling a ton for hoops. Yeah. Um, like I was, it's nice to be around the family and the kids and everything, but it's just really different not being able to have the, the interactions with friends, coworkers going out in social settings, et cetera. But, um, you just want everybody to be safe and hope yeah. everybody stays healthy. How are you doing? Cause you know, the kids being taken out of school, Maeve is at the age, I mean, she's in preschool. So it's like, Let's not get like it's not like there's like a legit enormous curriculum with it's like this is a leaf and you're like oh god this girl's a genius you know <laughs> but so it's you know you try and just keep on some semblance of a routine but your oldest Reese like she's at an age where you can't necessarily like you got to kind of probably stay on her a little bit like what what how is how is it going with homeschooling her so we were able to go get uh, her computer Reese's computer she's in third grade so we get her computer from school and then Sloan's in first grade. And Britta's at home as well, so she's basically the teacher. Oh no! And it was kind of funny the other day. They're they're in the kitchen, you know, doing their their schoolwork and whatnot. Britta's doing a good job trying to keep them on a routine and schedule as best she can. And they come in, they basically said that I was the principal. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we got we got we got Britta the teacher, and I'm the principal. So, but it's I, I, it's going okay, right? Um, as best as it can. But I mean. Uh, they're, they they have worksheets to do. They get those done. But like today was the kind of the first nice day right. uh, since they've been home. It was just awesome to get them outside. Yes. Uh, okay. Before we get into the season, what was the, what was the big 10 tournament like with the Fred Hoiberg situation of him getting sick on the sidelines? And then, you know, that was kind of like at the, the, the peak of some of this coronavirus stuff breaking. That was the night that Rudy Gobert tested positive. So everyone was starting to freak out. And then it, it you know, there, I think coach Hoiberg had to get t- tested for coronavirus. And like for a little while, it looked like they were kind of quarantining the team. What you were obviously there doing the radio. What was, 
th- were you aware of all that stuff going on? What was what was all that like? Yeah, we we, we were sitting there uh, at that media timeout. It was the under four media timeout uh, in the second half, and we see uh, Seamus come and get Coach Hoiberg and say, "You have to leave." And so he leaves and looks looks terrible. So after the post game, that was really the first time I'm like, okay, this coronavirus deal is for real. Yes. And we're sitting there doing our post game stuff and, and wrapping up, and we hear that he's taken to the hospital, uh, and the team is basically locked in the locker room, and we're sitting out there going, okay, so <laughs> for about 30 minutes to an hour, we're Kent and I, and, and then Josh Schultzman was with us, and we go, God, we might be stuck in Indy for two weeks. Yes. And we didn't we didn't know at that point that that Coach Hoiberg had tested or I saw a medical professional before the game and got kind of cleared to coach. Gotcha. So we're like, we're like, oh man, he might have he might have coronavirus and go. Right. We might get stuck here for two weeks, and we get we get back to the hotel. Us three do, and then the team is able to come back and we hear that he only has influenza A, and it was just like that was the first moment that I go, okay, right. This this whole deal is is for real, right. and we're gonna be in. Uh, for a little bit of awakening here in, in Nebraska when we get home. Yeah, because it's funny. You, I was in New York for the Big East tournament with Creighton, and it's funny. Your thoughts were like, I, I mean, it was like I the last thing. My biggest fear was we were going to get stuck in New York. Like they were going to shut down everything, and everybody was going to have to be, you know, no air traffic, no one can leave. And it's funny that you, you probably thought you guys were going to get stuck for two weeks in Indy. And I was going to get stuck for two weeks in New York. I was so, I've never, when the wheels of the plane touched down in Nebraska, I've never been so excited in my life. I just wanted to be home with all that stuff going on. I was in the same boat. I'm sure, I'm sure Kim was texting you and Britta was texting me. She's like, dude, you're going to be stuck there for two weeks. And (laughs) I'm sure you didn't have enough clothes to last you two weeks. Right. I'm sitting there kind of processing in my brain. I go, I'm going to be stuck in this hotel room right. by myself right. for two weeks. Brutal. I mean, it could, it, it, but you're right, though. There was you know, the Rudy Gobert thing, and then, unfortunately, the scene of Fred Hoiberg looking just – he looked like he was struggling. Like, all those moments that – I think it was on a Wednesday night, all kind of – that that was the first night that it was like, whoa, this stuff is this – is, it's this is real. This is happening. We better brace ourselves. But I didn't know if – I didn't know what it was like in the arena or, or what it was like from your standpoint because we haven't talked yet, but that's interesting. Yeah, it was it was crazy, though, because we were, you know, we were walking in the tunnel and you have all the news folks there and we're talking to them and nobody knows what's going on. No. And, and, and everybody has been in contact with Coach Hoiberg and everybody, obviously, their mind goes to this quarantine deal and, and with the news of the NBA doing that and a lot of the, a lot of the conference tournaments canceling uh, that same day. That, that Wednesday, from you know, there was like a 12-hour period yes. where there was new news coming out every 10 minutes. Right. And, it was just a, and that, that added fuel to the fire of it. Um, but it was just – it was wild. Yes, and, it was. And, and I'm not surprised that we're now sitting where we are today nope. when that happens a couple weeks back. All right, so, let, so we want to put a bow on the season and kind of look a little bit into the future of what we see for next year with Nebraska basketball. And I don't know. I mean, I, so I sit down after I homeschooled Mava at preschool today and I get my computer out and I'm, I'm typing up like what I want to talk about. And it's hard, you know, it's like, where do you even begin? And is it a waste of time to even break down this team? Because it feels like it's going to be a brand new roster next year, but Nebraska finishes seven and 25 on the year. They lose 17 in a row to end the season. So obviously it was a, it was not a, a good year, but Mule, have you ever seen anything like this where this was, and I'm, this isn't meant to be like super negative, but th- this was probably the worst Nebraska team and season in my lifetime. 
And yet it kind of felt like nobody really cared locally or nationally. And for the record, I get it and I agree with not putting a ton of stock into it. But still, it's, it was just kind of an odd scenario for this season, how it all played out. It was it just it just started off strange. I mean, you you lose your first two games to UC Riverside and Southern Utah, and I think they just kind of started the season off, uh, you know, on a bad note. But I, uh, as far as the players go, I mean, those guys, like you like you said, they tried to put the best uh, team and roster together they could in what sixty days when yes. they arrived here, and it was just uh, I think we had some talent, but I don't think it was all the talent that fit together in the best way. But it was just the but as far as a media and, and, and fan standpoint, I don't think anybody got got uh, discouraged or upset with how the season went. Obviously, they wanted to see uh, the team win more games and not go on a 17-game losing streak. But right. um, I, I, I like the fact, the simple fact that Coach Hoiberg and their staff did not uh, try to change their system and change their style of play to accommodate the, the players they had. They wanted to put their style of play in place so they could kind of show recruits and do that. And that's what they did. They played a, a style of play that probably didn't fit this team the best way, but they're going to they're gonna play how they play and, and try to get the players in the next couple of years. Okay, so yeah, you, let's uh, let's get to Hoiberg then because I'll jump around with you because you, you talked about coach there. Because I wrote, did we, you know, what did we learn about Coach Hoiberg this year? Because I, I, I think you said it. I actually, despite not playing with a kind of a full deck from a talent standpoint. He did a hell of a job establishing identity. I, I looked it up. I mean, on Ken Palm, Nebraska adjusted tempo ranked 16th in the country. Nebraska average possession length ranked fifth in the country. The, you know, they really established how they wanted to play. And to be honest with you, Mule, I was actually impressed with how Hoiberg got this team to even hang in there when they were so outmatched talent wise, like outside of maybe the Ohio state game and I mean, maybe a handful of others, maybe Iowa on the road, like they were a lot of the games kind of followed the same script. They'd be kind of like hanging in there, hanging in there, hanging in there. And then it would be like a two or three minute flurry and it would be a ball game, you know, like, so I actually kind of felt like I actually, in a weird way, walked away kind of feeling better about Fred Hoiberg, the coach from this season, because I just I think he was not playing with a full deck, and he established how he wanted to play, and the dudes hung in there. I agree, and and you gotta like you gotta like the fact that he 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 didn't he didn't uh, you know move off off a of center on how he wanted to play and and try to just to win you know slow the game down and and do stuff like that just to get a win. He wanted to play how he wanted to play, and then even when we're in that seventeen game losing streak. The guys were playing hard, mm -hmm. and they were doing what the coaches asked. They were executing the game plan, and we were in games that, quite frankly, we probably shouldn't have been. We go on the road, and and we have Rutgers beat on the road. We have Maryland, yeah, uh, have a layup, that, right, right. And, and those and those those teams are talented, and 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 just and just size wise are are, are you know just overmatching totally. Nebraska, and to get the guys to to buy in and 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 play hard throughout that. I thought there was kudos to, to Hoiberg and, and the rest of the coaches on staff because it's hard. But you know this, if you only go on a, on a, on a losing streak, oh, you know, the confidence uh, is is not there and you just start to not play hard. But that didn't happen in this team. And um, some of the stuff that Hoiberg drew up and some, and some timeouts too was just like, damn, that was really right. good set. The, the, the ones, I mean, the, the set to get Deshaun Burke on the road in Indiana was awesome. The Even the, 
even at the game against Southern Utah, he drew a set against the zone to get Drew Green a lot. Yes. We just drew a, we just drew a bad pass. Right. Right. So I just I, I like the stuff that he runs. I think with with Doc on staff defensively, um, he did some really good things. So I mean, obviously we didn't win the games we wanted to, but as far as putting your 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 stamp on this program and getting it going the right direction, I think they did that. You know, I I do I do think this team actually improved as the season progressed, but it was hard to see because the level of competition increased. You know, like instead of playing. Southern and whatnot. Now you're playing, you're playing Michigan State, you know, and so it's just you can be better, but the team you're playing is better, so it might not totally look like that. But it is, you know, to kind of back up it. If we are being honest, it did kind of feel like early on. You mentioned the the Riverside loss, the Southern Utah loss, to go to overtime against Southern, pull it out, lose to North Dakota at home. Creighton obviously, you know, ran him out of the gym in Omaha. There was this element of like. People didn't want to say out loud what they were seeing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you wanted to give them a chance to flip it, but the writing was on the wall fairly early that this team had major, major issues. Well, yeah, and you know, and just use that Creighton game as an example where you have some really experienced guards uh, with Creighton, and they just kind of uh, imposed their will on on our guards that weren't as experienced at that level, right. and. You go on your first hostile environment, go on the road for the first time, and it just was exposed there. And um, you look at our, our 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 front court. We have you know a seventeen year old starting center in Wade Drago, and then you had Kevin Cross come off the bench. Mm-hmm. They're both both true freshmen, and I think they're really talented. They could have used a redshirt year for sure, but we didn't have that luxury. So you just you don't have that go to guy on that on that roster that to to get a, a bucket when you need it, uh, go finish at the rim, or you you know. Uh, if you have a guy like a, a post player, you can go post somebody up uh, when you need a basket or a shot blocker. We just didn't have that. And it, it, and it, it kind of showed itself early on. And it's like you said, nobody wanted to say that loud. But right. Throughout the Big Ten slate, it kind of just kept rearing its head every time. We'd be in some games, um, you know, mid midway through the second half. And then a team would go on a 10-12-0 run, and then the game was over. Because, you know... Sometimes it's not just about your weaknesses. It's where they are and then who are you playing. And it was a perfect storm this year with Nebraska's biggest weakness was their front line, their size and strength inside. And so that was where Nebraska's weakness was. And the strength of the Big Ten was every team's front line. Like I, this was as amazing of a season from a Big Ten standpoint, where every single team had not a good big, like a great big guy, and then on top of that meal, it was the deepest I think the Big Ten had ever been. Where teams like Penn State and Rutgers, who are usually you know they they have their struggles, they were really good this year. So in defense of kind of just everything, it was like it was a perfect storm for things to kind of not go well. But what's, what makes it hard is like, what do we even make of the Purdue and Iowa wins? Like what, you talk about two games that in the, in the grand scheme of things kind of make no sense when you look back on. Them. I mean, that's what you go back and you just look at that first half of the year and you go, okay, you, you, you go to the Creighton game and you walk out of the, at home. you like, damn, I mean, are we going to win a big 10 game? Right. And then, you know, you just see what the coaching staff was able to do and, and the improvement these guys make. And then you go, uh, you, you go on the road and damn near beat Indiana. Mm-hmm. And, and really should have won. If we get some defensive rebounds, we win that game. We come home 
and we beat Purdue. And you go, damn, we, we can, you know, this team's coming together. They're improving. And uh, we beat Iowa at home and then we're in some other games, but it just, you know, obviously the Iowa game at home was a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, what do you want to, an asterisk if you want to put, they went four for 33. For yeah. Three. Now part right. of that, part of that was our defense. We did we forced them to make further shots. And they did. So, I mean, kudos to our defense, but the, the Purdue game with, with their big guys down low, I, they just didn't execute well at all. They weren't ready to play. And we were, and we played way more hard, way harder and just way more physical than what Purdue did. But it was just, after that, then we just could never get over the hump, and teams kind of realized that we just keep pounding inside and pounding inside. It was kind of like the Nebraska running days, yeah. you know, in the option. It would just wear on us as, as the game progressed, and it always seemed like that 10-minute mark in the second half, right. a team would go on a 7-10-0 run, and, and we just couldn't battle back from that. I did think Doc did a good job devising the best defensive game plan to give them a chance. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got to tip my cap to to Coach Sadler. Like, you know, it, it's it's hard, dude. When you when you are are kind of swimming in it in the post, and you have to double, and you have to sink guys in. It, like, it's not easy. And I I just again, I know this sounds like I'm I'm we're in the spin zone, and I'm being a homer with Nebraska. I just I felt like the I actually felt like the coaching staff did a pretty good job considering. In, you know what they were working with, and in particular, Doc defensively too. A hundred percent. I mean, you go, you go, and 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 we all know Doc's a great defensive coach, and I th- I think that what they did throughout the year, especially in the Big Ten uh, uh, games, where we would mix it up and where we came to double the post, we weren't always coming from the top. We sometimes dig on the strong side. We come from the weak side. We come big to big, and then we we throw some zone in there. We trap off the zone. I mean, we just. We tried to mix it up and muck it up as much, as best we could. And that's what we had to do, and we just had to kind of try to close out and really play uh, really good personnel defense. Not close out hard on the on the non shooters. Yeah. Close out hard on the shooters, and just hope they miss, and then hope we get a defensive rebound. Do you think? And I mean, this is maybe an impossible question to answer, but like, do you think if Hoiberg had to do it over again, he wouldn't have? And I, I don't, you know, you don't know what those conversations are like behind the scenes with players, but like. Should he have tried to keep a Brady, a Brady Hyman around? Should he have tried to really work hard to keep Amir Harris or Thomas Allen? You know, like instead of having such a mass exodus, like Brady Hyman would have helped this team. You know, like do you think if he had to do it over again, he would have maybe tried a little bit harder to to get those guys to stay? That's a good question. I think, I mean, I think he could have used those guys for sure, but did they necessarily fit into into sure. Coach Hoiberg's system? Long term, uh, maybe I think they were probably a good short term band. I think Thomas Allen mm-hmm. would have really yeah. fit in, in this in this system, but I think he was one to get back home regardless. I don't know if he was already out the door before a, a new uh, hire was announced, but I think that he wanted to get his own players in that really fit his system. So he didn't he didn't want to take any uh, you know have anybody that was you know kind of a, a halfway fit. Yeah. So. I, think I can he see did that. what he what he what he wanted to do from a long term perspective, uh, rather than try to try to have a, some short term success. To play devil's advocate with, with all of what we just talked about, what we just witnessed this season is the potential downside, Jake, of being transfer heavy and being a program that is going to have a lot of roster turnover and. It, because if it doesn't work, like it can really be a colossal 
train wreck. You know, like, so just to, I mean, this is, because this is kind of how Hoiberg is. It's not like it's a brand new team every year, but like he's, he's transfer heavy. Like the roster can change a lot. And there, there are times that can, that can be problematic. Yeah, I think I think where they're trying to do is they're trying to get the their their program established. And obviously, they're getting a ton of transfers, and it can be they can have some issues with it. But I think they're trying to get some guys in there that build that culture. And I know people hate that word when you talk all, all about culture, culture, culture. But I think that's what they're trying to do to have guys that are coming in um, from from winning programs right. that have experience that have been part of a winning culture. And as you bring those guys together, you hope that it all blends together. And, uh, you know, you have some, some, some upper class that are coming in um, that have some big time uh, power five uh, playing experience. They can come in and go, okay, uh, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we can win. And then you try to bring in some high school guys in, in and mix them in with all those guys. And that was the recipe for, for success at Iowa State. And they're trying to do that same thing here. So I think. They bring the right guys in. I think it can work. Quick break here to talk to you guys about Pella windows and doors. You know, putting in some new windows or a new door can be super exciting, but can be sometimes a little intimidating, and sometimes you don't even know where to begin. Well, let me help you out. First of all, you got to go with Pella. And with Pella, there are a couple of directions you can go to start. Number one, you can schedule a free in-home consultation. That's right, free. You get a Pella expert out to your home, sit down, talk with you, take a look around your house, and they can get a Fred Hoiberg, Doc Sadler-esque game plan put together for you that fits your budget, your wants, and your needs. Or, number two, you can head out to Pella's showroom. The showroom's really cool. You know, sometimes it helps to actually see the window, see the door, open it, close it, to get a better feel of exactly what you are going to be installing into your home. And the showroom is also a great place to start. And uh, any direction you go to start, just know that Pella has a variety of products and can provide window and door solutions to any home. And you're going to be working with great people the entire time. Everybody there at Pella is fantastic. So give Pella a call, 402-493-1350, or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. Back to the Nebraska basketball season recap with Jake Muleheis. At some point, I really want to get Hoiberg on this podcast. I want to sit down with him because I am curious what how, how utilizing – high school recruits factor into their plan because like you do have to have some, you do have to have a core of high school kids that you're recruiting, that you bring into your program and you develop them. And, and they're the one constant throughout, you know, a, a two or three, four year period. And I'm not saying Fred Hoiberg isn't committed to that, but I just, I think that matters. That's something that I am going to be watching for over the next handful of years. Cause I, I'm with you. I think it's one of those things they want to jumpstart the program with, you know, your Kobe Kings, your Delano Bantons, your Shamil Stevensons, your your Kobe Webster's type guys that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But I do think it really is important to have. I think they had a guy, Matt Thomas was a kid at Iowa State that was like a, a three or four year dude that helped him a lot. Like you do you do need those guys to to help establish your foundation. And I, I, I know they're committed to that, but I think it's worth just kind of saying out loud. I think they are, too. I mean, just talking and talking with some of the assistant coaches, I think. You know, I know they're they're going after some some pretty high level high school kids, and I think once you once you get some success going, and I think um, with the guys that we have coming in next year, I think we're going to have some success. And yes, like you said, 
you have some you, you, show, you can even show and 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 go okay here's our style of play at an even higher level with guys that can go finish up the rim and 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 knock down some shots and defend the post here's what we're going to do and then you could then you're able to get on some high some higher caliber high school kids and plug them in and then they're then you kind of just build that whole system that whole culture with a little mix of, of transfers and then a mix of high school kids yeah uh, okay who at this point let's play a game called who's coming back <laughs> because it's, it's hard to even so Gervais Green's entered the transfer portal uh Deshaun Burke announced that he was gonna you know graduate and then now he's entered the transfer portal Cam Mack uh, is going through the draft process. I think with everything that happened at the end of the year, I would say the arrow is pointing towards him probably likely not coming back. Uh, but I guess we'll start with those three guys. So, like, I guess with with Cam Mack, do you think what, what do you think the future holds for Cam Mack? That's a that's a good question. I think if I had to guess, I would assume um, that he's not on Nebraska's roster next year. But he's one of those guys where. I think he would really, really benefit, obviously, from coming back. Um, we're just with the guys that he has around him with more experience because I think he, we relied so heavy on him to be the dude, yes. and um, there wasn't a lot of help around him. And he threw some passes um, that should have been, you know, completed at the rim, but oh, they just God, weren't. Yeah. And, and I think as he, if he has some more leadership around him, I think he can um, really be successful. But I. I think he's one of those guys that I mean, he had the first triple double ever, and it was and that was against Purdue, and it was an unbelievable game that he did. And he's a guy that we could definitely use from a talent perspective, but it'll be interesting to see what he does for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, let, let's kind of let's unpack him a little bit more because I mean, he was kind of the uh, he, he was kind of a microcosm of the entire season in some ways. You know, he was just you know hot and cold. Some gave you some flashes, uh, and then there would be times he just wasn't overly dependable. I mean, it's it's documented, obviously, with him, uh, you know, getting suspended at the end of the year. He missed the – he was late for the bus for the Creighton game and didn't start. Like, you were a guy, Mule, uh, in, in college that, like, you understand when you're the young – you're the young buck and you are starting, like, there there's a, there's a non-negotiable level of leadership and uh, – and dependability that comes along with that. Like you can't be the guy that walks in late. You can't be the guy that, uh, you know, that, that people got to worry about Jake doing the right thing. Right. Like, I mean, because if you're going to play 30, 35 minutes a game and have the ball in your hands, like that's going to create some dissension in the team, in the locker room. If like, you're not taking care of your business and it puts the coaches in a horrible spot because obviously Cam Mack's the most talented guy to be able to run the show this year. But like if he's not handling his business it, off the floor and it, it puts the coaches in a horrible spot, like I think as much as anything, like, yeah, does he need to work on his jumper and some of his decision making? Yeah. But like the biggest part of his game, he needs to tighten up is like his intangibles. Yeah, and, and you're right. I think it, it put the whole team in a, in a weird spot. And I think, you know, as a teammate and as a as a you know as a as a friend amongst those guys, it appeared that he got along well with the yeah. teammates and, and everybody else. I mean, he, he he would be super nice to to Kent and I all the time. And um, but as a point guard uh, or as a quarterback, you know, those those types of players uh, on the teams, those those are the leaders, and, and you want to have your point guard be the leader, and they have to be. It's the lead by example, and that's what you wanted to have Cam Mack do, and he, he just felt short of that, um, and which was documenting, like you said, and you want him to, to come in and, and 
and be the first one to practice and you want him to, to, to lead the team in, in, you know, in conditioning drills, et cetera. Um, that's why I think that he would benefit from coming back because just from, I think from having Delano and, and, uh, Derek Walker and Shamil, those guys have been in major programs already. I think in just watching a few practices where Derek and, and Delano were some vocal guys, I don't know how, I think, I think they were, uh, they weren't able to be as vocal with the guys playing because they were obviously sitting out. So I think he would benefit from guys like that to kind of show him the way a little bit. Um, but you just hope that he can learn those intangibles and whether he comes in Nebraska or not, you just, you, you, yeah. you don't want to see a kid like that go and, and waste his talent. You want to see him succeed wherever he goes and, and hopefully he learns and, and can, can turn into a leader. Um, if he ends up, hopefully he's back in Nebraska, if he ends up somewhere else, hopefully he can, and can become a leader. And you know, with Mac, like with Cam Mac, some guys subconsciously, they may not know they're doing it, but they, they know if, like there's no one that's going to the ultimate behavior changer is the bench and not playing. And I wonder if deep down inside Mac subconsciously knew like, come on, man, what am I, are you guys not going to play? Like what you guys, what you're going to not play me? You know what I mean? Like you're going to seriously, okay. So you're not going to start me, but like, I'm going to like, and I think maybe to your point of having like having, Kobe Webster and Kobe King and Delano Banton, Shamil Stevenson, like, yeah, bro, if you're late and you're not doing what you need to be doing, your ass is going to sit down. You know what I mean? And, like, that'll maybe change behavior as much as anything. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know this. I mean, when you came into KU and when I came into Nebraska, if if I stepped out of line and did something stupid, somebody's going to tell me. Yeah. And I, and I don't I, – I just don't think with, with, with the roster turnover and, and – you know, Thor and Deshaun are the only guys that have been here. I don't think there was anybody uh, in that locker room that was as vocal as you would want. Right. But I think, uh, I think moving forward to having some of these guys and you have guys, you know, you have, you know, Kobe King from Wisconsin, you have Tennessee, you have Pitt. I mean, you have guys coming from big time programs and they they know and have seen what it takes to win. And so they can go, okay, you're going to be here on time. Yes. And the teammates hold each other accountable and not only rely on the coaches. And right. I think that's where this team will be at next year. I think that, um, that, that camp could benefit tremendously from that. So then the next crop of dudes, you know, you got Thor, Kevin Cross, big Ivan, uh, a rope and, and Charlie. Do we think all those guys are coming back? Like what, what would, what would your gut say on those five guys? I would, I would think if I had to, I would think they're all back and, and I'll start with, I'll start with cross and Wade Drago. I think those guys uh, again could benefit tremendously being here in Nebraska and getting in the weight room, nutrition plans, um, et cetera. And you look at a guy like Kevin cross, he fits into to coach Hoiberg's team. He's a stretch four. Yep. he needs to work on his jumper a little bit, but I think if he worked on his body, and, and leaned up a little bit, he could be a really good player in the Big Ten. And I, and I think um, with the guys coming in, I, I assume that he comes back. I think Wade Drago loves it here. Okay, I good. think he's a guy that could be really good good for Nebraska. I mean, um, he's he I've, everything that I've, I've, I've seen and heard that he likes Lincoln a ton, so I'm assuming he's back. And then you saw a call rope. He, did, he, he played really well down the stretch. He did. I mean, I know he, he was limited minutes uh, throughout the year, but he came in, he's athletic. I think he's just so raw. You don't really know where he fits position wise. 
I mean, he played the five, and he's about my size. <laughs> right. I mean, the dude, the dude has the quickest hops, though. Yeah, he's um, he's athletic, man. I mean, yeah, athletic. Um, his jumper, I think I saw develop. It's a pretty jumper. So hopefully, if he can get some handles going, who knows? I think he's a I think he's a guy that could be a, a really good developmental player under Hoiberg and then Charlie Easley. I mean, I don't know where he fits in, um, but he's a guy you want on you, your team. He's yes. a guy that brings it every day in practice. A good leader comes in and works hard. Uh, whether he plays as much as he did this year, I mean, probably not. But I think he's a dude that you want on your team moving forward. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think, uh, you know, with Charlie, the biggest thing with Charlie is like, you know, who knows what his his role and playing time is going to look like. But he's he's got to shoot it better than five for thirty from three. Like he does everything else off the charts. You know what I mean? Like he plays hard. He's in the right spots. He's tough. He's actually I think he's a he's a dude that got tested a lot. People trying to kind of isolate him and drive him. And he's a good on ball defender. He's just yep. he's got he's got to work on his jumper. Um, I, I totally agree on Kevin Cross with what you said. Like I think if he works on his body. And then he lives in the gym on the gun, shooting the three ball. Like if he improves his body and improves his three point shot, he's a capable, dangerous player because like that's when he can that's that's when he can do the shot fake drive and get in and make some things happen if people respect his three point jumper. But I think the I, I totally agree on cross and then Ivan Ivan's just gotta he's got to become a better finisher on the pick and roll. Like, and I just don't know, is it in him? Like, I didn't know if it was strength or because he's one of those guys that doesn't have great natural touch around the basket. Like, do you think he's got, like, what is his offensive ceiling to you? I I think he does. And, and I, I just keep going back that, I mean, the dude just turned 18 like, yeah. literally within the week. And, you know, I mean, just think about how your body progressed from 17 to 20. Right. And how, and if he, if he buys into the weight room, I think he can become more explosive and, and, and be one of those guys that can finish at the rim. He's got super long arms. He's got pretty good hands. I think, I think he, as he just slows down, uh, there was a, there was about a five or six game stretch there where he basically averaged a double double yep. and he was able to slow down. Um, one that comes to mind is at Illinois against uh, Kofi Coburn. He he was he played toe to toe. It's not better than he did than Coburn, and he looked like the better freshman. And Coburn's twenty; he's a twenty-year-old freshman. Right. And, and and it's like, okay, this guy's got some stuff. So if he just keeps and I and I, I, I see Ivan as that guy that was is is a gym rat and wants to be so good. And I think and watching him eat in pregame meals, he he's bought into nutrition. Good. I think mean, he's bought into the weight program, and I think he could be a I mean a really good player. I mean, just look at. He just broke the single season record for for rebounding as a freshman, mm-hmm. and I mean, some dudes just have a knack for that stuff, and that's a guy you want on your team. He's not he's not going to go get you twenty, but he's a guy that you want to average you know eight and twelve. That's right. what you want from from a guy like him. I think we'd all agree the guys we're talking about are they're, they're going to be role guys. You know, you know, if Ivan and Cross and Rope and Charlie, like if they got to be your stars, obviously you're in trouble. But listen, man, the the role guys, the intangible, like th- th- those guys matter. Like it's you, you need your, your sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth guy to, 
to be solid for a variety of reasons. So while, yeah, we're not talking about guys being potential, uh, you know, first team, all big 10 type of players, they could ultimately factor into Nebraska's success moving forward. So that, so, I mean, I I don't think you can just dismiss them. No. And and we know how important it is. If you have a guy coming off the bench that provides a spark, whether it be rebounding, you know, block shots, you know, offensively, it's huge in a game where maybe your starter is not playing well. You bring in a guy like Kevin Cross, knocks down a couple of threes. That provides a huge lift to, to a team, especially on the road. And you just want to have consistency. You want to have guys on the bench that you can rely on. And, right. and you have to have you have to have role players. You can't have you can't have ten LeBrons. I mean, there's not enough. There's not enough <laughs> right. basketballs to go around. Yeah. So you you have to have guys come in that go, okay, this is my role, and I'm gonna I'm gonna play to my role and to my strength as best as I can to help my team win. And I think those guys could could be that uh, for next year's team. Okay, so let's kind of turn the page to next year because we're already kind of doing it. But like, just from a from a from a broad standpoint, where are you at with? And I'm not going to you know put a gun to your head and say you know in shade tournament will they go or not? But like, what what are expectations for next year in your opinion? I, I don't know if you can put an expectations on on like wins and losses, but if you just look at the team on paper, we're going to be so much more competitive mm-hmm. and, um, and, and just from a sheer size standpoint where we're not going to have to double the post every time, we're not going to get out of position because of that. I think we're going to be a better on ball defending team because of our size and our length. And you just go, you go through the roster and, and let's just, let's just assume Cam Mack comes back for conversation okay. and you have Cam at the one and you have Delano at the four sprinkle anybody else you want to have in there, you could sub in for a cam, slide Delano to the four, or excuse me, to the one, and have Delano Banton be your point guard at a six eight at six eight. Right. So you can you have so many different lineups that you can play. Um, I think we'll I think you may even see some more zone because let's just say Derek Walker, Delano Banton, Teddy Allen, uh Shamil Stevenson and, and Cam Mack are in the game. You sub in Kevin Cross for Cam Mack slide Delano to the one, you're six, 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 eight, six, nine across the board. Hey, big. And just think about that. Think about that lineup that can run, can shoot and can finish at the rim. I think, I think this year, Nebraska, uh, this, I know this is a stat that coach Hoiberg always watched was shots at the rim. Yep. I think Nebraska led the, led the big 10 and shots at the rim. Now, obviously we didn't make very many of them, but you throw six, eight, six, nine, uh, six, six wings in there. And we're going to be finishing at the rim a lot better too. Right. Yeah. No. He he mentioned that stat to me during one of our maybe the Northwestern before the game that he seems like I like where we're getting the shot. He goes, we're shooting a lot of threes and a lot of shots right at the rim. We're just not making the shots at the rim. And yeah, I mean Nebraska. There. I mean they they missed a ton of layups. They were not a good free throw shooting team, and they weren't a good rebounding team. And when you combine all those things that makes your margin for error really slim, you know, because you're not getting easy baskets and you're also giving up possessions by not rebounding. And to your point, like this this next year, at least on paper, you feel like all those things are, are going to improve. I think, uh, you know, the guy I, I, I watched, the Kobe Webster guys, he's a pretty good player, Mule, the Western Illinois transfer. He... Western Illinois played at Creighton, I think, two years ago, and I actually had that game. And I walked away being like, that guy's a that guy's a good player. You know, sometimes you see those Summit League or low major guards, and you're like, that guy can that guy is pretty good. I think, 
Because if, if, say, we remove Cam Mack from the situation, then I think Kobe Webster becomes arguably the most important player next year because he's the one guy along with Banton that is like probably a true point guard, and that's super important. It is, it is important. And, and, and I watched him play. Um, I, I think Western Illinois played at Nebraska last year as well. Yep. Um, and you just read about him in his stats. And I think he led this, I think he led Western Illinois in points and assists all three years. Right. Yep. If I remember right. Yes. So he's a dude that he's a dude that can come in and, and make a major impact and be that point guard. And, and you have to have a point guard in the system um, to, 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 to set that tempo for the team and make the right decisions on, on, on in transition. And he's a guy that can do that. He's a guy that can make threes consistently. He makes smart decisions. So he's, I think he's going to be, if, if Cam doesn't return, he's going to be, you know, a huge piece. And I, and I don't know if, I don't think Kobe King can be that two point guard. Right. I, don't I never either. had to see him. I never had to see him in that role. He was at Wisconsin, but um, if, if Kobe Webster is that guy, he's going to be a huge piece uh, for next year's team for and, sure. And I like that, you know, I mean, one of the things that, that Hoiberg likes is versatility with, you know, like, like you said, I mean, Banton can Banton, if you put a, a point guard on him, he can, he can post him and, and take him into the paint. Same thing with Stevenson. And then both those guys have the ball skills to be able to, if you put a bigger guy on him, they can drag them away from the basket and give them issues. Like, I just think, you know, if you, if, if you caught yourself being intrigued watching Hoiberg's offense this year, just imagine it with like Banton and Stevenson and Kobe King, like different guys now running what they're doing. I, uh, I, 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 I'm really, really excited to watch what, what Hoiberg can do with all these guys. I am, I am too. And just the, just the level of, of play and practice is going to go up and they're going to get better just because of the talent and practice is going to be that much better. And, and Hoiberg, like you said, is really, He's going to find some matchups that he loves, and he's just going to keep exploiting it on the offensive end. And, and we can't forget about the the kid from TCU, yeah, Latmayan. Uh, yeah. He's a six nine kid that can shoot it as well. So we we're going to have so many different pieces and, and guys with size that can come in and score. And you, and you have Teddy Allen in that mix too, at six six, what two thirty, big dude that has proven to play at a big time level at West Virginia. So we're, I mean, we're, he's going to have some some pieces where he runs some stuff that if teams are going to switch or or try to hard hedge or whatever they're playing defensively, he's going to try to find some matchups and some sets to get some guys uh, in position to score. So you bring up the three point shooting, like that would be my that'd still be maybe my if I had to kind of peg question marks. It's like can they find the true if if Cam Mack doesn't come back. Can they find the true point guard that can run the show? Whether it's Banton, which I, I I don't know if Banton Banton's a better secondary ball handler to me than he is a primary ball handler, in my opinion. You've seen him more, but that's kind of my thought on him. Like I just don't Banton's not necessarily going to be great pushing it in transition a bunch, but like you know, swing ball screen to him and let him get in the lane. He's really tough. But Kobe Webster, I think, becomes really important in that regard. But then like. Do they have enough three-point shooting is still – because listen to some of these stats. Banton at Western Kentucky was 8 of 37 from three, 21%. Shamil Stevenson was 37% from three, but he only he was 15 of 40 his freshman year at Pitt, so he didn't take a ton of them. Kobe King is a career 29% three-point shooter. He only made seven this season. 
And Teddy Allen shot it well at Juco, but was three of 25 at West Virginia from three. And Kobe Webster is 37%. So he's, he's a pretty good shooter. Now you mentioned Lat Mayan. Hopefully he can really be a stretch kind of four knockdown guy, but that would, that still matters, man. They still need guys that can knock down threes. Yeah, they do. And I think, I mean, you, and, and don't forget about Thor now. Thor too. Thor's yeah. In, and, and, and I want to mention him too, just what his improvement was this year. And then I think he's going to be a huge piece. And I'll go back to our role player conversation. I don't think he'll be relied on as much, but in, in this team, I think he's going to be as important just being a huge role player, whether he's in the starting lineup or not. I, I think he's going to be a huge role player, but I think you're right on where these guys are going to have to come in and, you know, like Delano Banton, for example, shooting 21% of West Kentucky, you got to hope that he developed and under Hoiberg's tutelage and, 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 you know, what he's been able to do with guys and shooting that he's uh, able to help him become that elite shooter. And you just hope those guys come in and work hard. And, 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 and Teddy Allen's going to come in this summer. Those guys work on their three-point uh, shooting so when they get in the games that they can make it on a consistent basis. They don't have to make five a game. They right. don't have to be, you know, Kerry Cohorn. No, no. They just they have, to, they have to shoot, you know, 33 34% or better. That way guys have to guard him. They can go and then they can put it on the deck and go around it. No doubt. You just don't want to be a team where people just sit and plug the lane and, and, and say – Jack, all the threes you want, you're not driving and, and living in the paint because that could make things hard. But nevertheless, like, we'll, you know, Foyberg's, you know, he's a pretty good shot doctor, if you will. So you imagine some of those guys will improve. I mean, there's no doubt that, like, you look on paper, and I don't think you could say that about this year's team. I think there was just such a huge question mark with a lot of these guys this year. But on paper, this, this roster for next season, the talent is is there, you know, like now there, I don't think means like sweet 16 or elite eight necessarily. You never know, you know, you catch lightning in a bottle and maybe these guys gel quickly, but like the, I just think the, you know, the, the level of play on the floor is going to be dramatically different next season. For sure. And, and, and like, and I think the, the key thing you said there is how these guys come together and gel, because you know, this and uh, is chemistry on the basketball court's humongous. I mean, yeah. it's just like, if you don't have it, you're not going to win games, but if these guys can, can build that chemistry on the floor and learn how each other plays and, and, and somehow just and, and put that together quickly in the off season. I don't know how this coronavirus stuff's going to impact that <laughs> I know. coming in for summer school and all that. Um, but if they're able to come in and, and get and pick up games and, and start to learn each other's games, I mean, on paper uh, from a size standpoint and talent standpoint, I mean, we're going to be competitive and I think we're going to be a ton of fun to watch and we're going to be finishing at the rim and, um, I, I'm excited for hoops. I'm just excited to watch basketball. I'm so sick of it not being on right oh, now. God. Well, I mean, I'm so sick of not having basketball that, and we'll wrap it up with this mule. I, I, for some reason was like, man, I want to watch the no sit Sunday game. So I like, I went into, you know, the synergy account and like downloaded the game. I mean, holy shit, Jake. I, I were you at that game? The Nebraska, Wisconsin, oh, yeah. game, were you, yeah, so I you were was, in the I, arena? So we went down, that was a, was it a four o'clock game or a six o'clock? It was a four. Was I thought a, it was a Sunday afternoon. So I it thought was it was Sunday. Four. I think it was a Sunday at four o'clock. I think I went with my dad. So my dad and I went downtown at like eleven thirty. Oh, I wasn't on the. I wasn't calling the game at the time. Right. And I would say it was like a it was like a football Saturday in downtown Lincoln in the Haymarket where people were tailgating outside. The bars were packed, 
and I mean the place was bananas, and it was that was the most fun sporting event that I've ever been to. Me, I I was I couldn't believe. So the night before was Doug McDermott's senior night, and he had forty five against Providence to take him over three thousand points. And you know, as I then got in my car and drove to Lincoln to come to the Nebraska game, there wasn't in, in my if if someone would have said, "Hey, this this game's gonna like." blow you away maybe even more than the the game you just watched last night I would have been like get out of here no way but man I don't think I've been in you've played in Allen Fieldhouse I've played in Allen Fieldhouse like I'm not sure that game the the atmosphere in that game was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen and watching it again Jake it was the the reason I bring it up is it just shows you the fans are ready to explode, man. Like, they are ready to explode if Hoiberg gets it rolling. Now, you're not going to have 30 no-sit Sundays, you know what I mean? Like, But you're going to – you're gonna. PBA has always been a tough place to play, but it just got me excited about what the future can be with, with Hoiberg getting it rolling because, God damn, was that a hell of a game. I mean, yeah, it's not going to have 30 of those in a year, but I, I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, and going across the Big Ten and, like, when we went to Maryland, they were number nine in the country, and there was probably, I don't know, 60% full. If, if and when Hoiberg yeah. gets it going, you're dead on where I think I think it will be the hardest ticket to get in Lincoln. Yeah. And I think that place will be bananas every single night. Not no shit city, not no shit Sunday, but bananas, but it will be, it'll be electric in there every single night. It might be one of the – top three places to play in the Big Ten. Totally agree. I, I You've been in more Big Ten venues than I have, but I just – all I know is what I saw, <laughs> what I what I was – I was in the – I was in PBA for No Sit Sunday, and then watching it again today, it was like, Jesus Christ. It was un – you could – and that was – because I also wanted to watch – I was like, you know, sometimes you – it gets embellished over time. Like, was it as nuts – yes. <laughs> like, this thing – this was crazy from the jump. And, and the thing about that game, too, was – that that Wisconsin team, where that team went to the Final Four, that was Decker, Kaminsky, Bronson Koenig, Gosser, Nigel Hayes. Like that team was loaded, and Nebraska beat them, and it was just it was nuts, man. It just got me excited about what basketball can be in Lincoln. Yeah, and, and you're right; they had some dudes on that team, and I think I think it just shows. I mean, these fans, you know they they've been they've been wanting a good basketball team, you yes. know, forever. And if we can, and and when we do it here. It's gonna be, it's gonna be awesome, and it doesn't matter if it's a Tuesday night game at eight o'clock. Right. I mean, that place will be. I mean, just look at it this year when we were. It's nuts. We're on a fifteen-game yes. losing streak, and we have Northwestern here. We have 13, 13 ranked and fourteenth ranked team, second to last and last in the Big Ten, and there were fifteen thousand people there. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Just imagine if imagine if we're first and we're ranked fifth. Right, right. I, I, I can't. It's, it's, it truthfully gives me goosebumps and gets me beyond as a basketball lover and. Yeah, you know, I I I, th- I think Fred's awesome. Like I'm, I can't wait, man, because I think he's gonna get it rolling. Uh, it, to me, I can say not. I can remove the if. It's when he gets it rolling, man. But I, I just watching that game today got me excited about you know Fred leading the program and where it can ultimately get to. Jake Mulehuizen, Jake, a uh, principal Mulehuizen, I guess is what I can call That's you right, right now. You you, I don't know if you got to go lay down the the law to your your students, aka your daughters, but uh, Mule, hey man, it's about an hour here. This was uh this was perfect, man. Thank you so much, and hopefully when we're all not quarantined and and social distancing, you and I can go get a beer. I like it. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Mule. Oh,
Dankeschön.